0: Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for being here today. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. And uh, it's just such an honor for us to have anybody who would come here, and especially if you're a guest with us. And we really, really appreciate you checking us out. We hope you've uh, got a warm welcome, maybe some good coffee And uh, we're going to do our very best to make sure this is a great day for you and your family. So thank you for being here. Um, i got to do a couple things real quick. Uh, Noelle, come here real quick. Uh, She's so bitter right now. Come here. Just come here. Let me uh, come up here. Um, This is my daughter, Noelle, who is freaked out right now. Um, Today is her last day. Uh, She's going to Liberty University up in Virginia. We're going to drive after the third gathering to take her up there. And, uh, Noel is one of the very first few people left, um, who were, uh, founders of LifePoint. Day one people. She was four or so, but, uh, she was here and she's been serving every day really since then. So, um, we're praying for her and, uh, we love her. Give her, give her a hand one more time. Thank you. I love you, kiddo. Mom was trying to hold it together over there, um, but also, Jonathan, wave at us right here. Jonathan's on the front row. Jonathan's been with us a very long time. He's going to A&M tomorrow if you're a Longhorn. We don't need to hear it. Uh, and we love you, man. And you're, This guy is an, an incredible server and servant around here, and uh, he's got a great future. We love you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, got, got a couple other students that'll be here in the third gathering who are headed to London, two of them, uh, to go to college. So we'll say something about them then. But uh, yeah, we love you guys. Do, do, good, do good stuff. The, the series that we're in right now is called The Good Shepherd, as you just saw, and what we're focusing on our time together is um, on two passages, predominantly Psalm 23, a Psalm of David, uh, the King, the Shepherd, and also John, John 10, where Jesus talks and calls himself the Good Shepherd. Last week, we, talked, we, just, we started with the very first line, the Lord is my shepherd, and we just talked about the qualities of the Good Shepherd uh, there was a takeaway statement that I hope you will remember and i 'm going to help you remember it by telling you it again. The thing about God being our shepherd is God cannot be our shepherd if you and i don 't first see ourselves as His sheep. Like it just doesn 't work if you 're like oh, i don 't want to be a sheep man i 'll I'll be a wolf'll be a, my spirit animal is like a lion you know or a giraffe or whatever it can 't be a sheep. but listen, the way that this psalm works in our lives is if he is in fact Our shepherd, which then makes us a, come on, say it, a sheep. We're a sheep, right? So let's read the first half of Psalm 23 again. The Lord, could you say it with me? Would you say it with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. A lot of you grew up with hearing it said, I shall not want. We'll talk about that in a minute. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, still waters. He refreshes my soul He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. I want you to know that when you see this line here, it means several things, but one of the things that it means is that your protection, your care, um, has God's glory. God's glory is on the line. Like that's how important it is that He takes care of, that He leads, that He guides, that He refreshes. His glory is on the line. This this is why He does it. He loves you, number one, chiefly, but He's also. His glory is on the line. So shout out to those of you who live in Stillwaters uh, right back here because you're in the Bible, right? Just a shout out. it's a neighborhood right here. Anyways, uh, Silver Oak, uh, I know some of you guys are here too. Um, you're not in the Bible, but uh, Stillwaters is. All right. Um, wh- what a beautiful picture this is of the heart uh, and the care of the good shepherd he's providing He's making sure we have everything we need. He's leading. He's guiding. And, and today I want to focus in on this line right here. Um, last week with the Lord is my shepherd. Today, I lack nothing. Could you say that with me? I lack nothing. Now I want you to think about that, that line right there for a moment. Um, could, could you and I say honestly, that's the way I feel? Like I lack nothing. Uh, Maybe I'm cynical, probably I am a little, Um, but I'd argue that most people here, uh, most of you who are worshiping online, by the way, can we just give it up for our online church family, give it up for them real quick, yeah, we love you guys. I'd argue that a lot of us would have a hard time saying this and actually uh, meaning it. First of all, like, what does it even mean, I lack nothing, because clearly we don't lack nothing, right? We need water, we need food, we need clothes, we need shelter, um, and I think that if we're honest, most of that has been provided for us one way or another. I think it's deeper than, than there's nothing I'm ever going to need. I think on one level it means it's saying that God has already given me everything I need to get done what I need to get done in this world. So I have everything that I need to be all that God wants me to be. I think that's what David is saying on, on, on one level. Does that make sense, everybody? Like I, He's given me everything I need to succeed in, in this world. On, on an even deeper level, I think it means peace. The Lord is my shepherd and I'm at peace with whatever he does, with whatever, whatever he's provided. I'm, I'm, I, there's, there's a wholeness to me. And the biblical idea of, of peace is a word, a Jewish word called shalom. And it means, uh, it is a state of wholeness and completeness. Um, it, it's, the, it's the sense that I feel like whatever it is that I have is all that I need, and I I lack nothing, Um, and 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 it's everything I need. So in the Jewish mind, shalom it means a lot of things. It's all throughout your Bible, by the way. If you have a Bible, then it's all that word's all throughout there. You won't see it that way. You'll see it in other words. It's used to mean several different things, but the Jewish mind it means um, nothing's missing and nothing's broken. There it is. Nothing's missing. Nothing's broken. Think about that. David says, The Lord is my shepherd, and so nothing's missing from my life. And nothing is broken. Doesn't mean he didn't have wants. Doesn't mean he have some fears. Doesn't mean there wasn't times that he was worried. It just meant that when he when he settled down and recognized, nothing's missing. I think this is beautiful. Nothing's nothing's broken. And I and, and, and this is this is the kind of heart, this is the kind of sense about life that God wants us to have and will give us If we let him. That God is always at work, Romans 8 says, that God is always at work and he is filling in the missing pieces of our lives. He is filling up the empty places of our life, and he is constantly healing the brokenness that comes from living in the world that we live in. He's constantly doing that. And so the word shalom encompasses our health and our security and and, and good conditions and, and safety and happiness and wellness. And wholeness, so that I recognize when I think about it that I lack nothing. It is absolutely God's plan for us to live it. Matter of fact, Jesus' little brother James wrote in James 1 and 4, he says, So that you may be mature and, say this with me, complete, not lacking anything. It's God's plan, and it's all throughout the scriptures. But my guess is that very few of us can honestly say, yeah, you know what, Danny, that's, that's exactly how I feel, bro. I feel completely whole, like I have everything I need. There's nothing broken. There's nothing missing. I lack nothing. So, so probably not many of us can say that, but, but why? Why is this very, very biblical idea seemingly completely out of reach for many of us at this point in our lives. Well, let's just think about that for a second. Um, Let's just make it practical. Like if you're a mom here in the room today and you have young kids and you have one of those days where the kids are absolutely bonkers man and they're they're running around and they're fighting and when they're not fighting they're crying and they're they're writing pictures on the wall with sharpies can I get a witness to that that's happened in your household or at the very least crayons come on those melt off thankfully with fire Um, and then you burn your house down and you don't have to worry about it anymore that's not a good plan. Um, they're breaking the toys that you got them yesterday at Target and, and, and you reach the breaking point because you're just like, sh- your, your nerves are shredded and you, and, you, and you, mommy's got a potty and you go into the bathroom and you shut the door and you lock the door and, and you take with you a bucket of ice cream and some cheese whiz or whatever and you have yourself a good cry. I know that this has happened for some of you, come on. Maybe it wasn't ice cream, maybe it was some, maybe it was guisada and big red, come on, like me right? Like, just, just take me a pile in there. It's not sanitary, but you're just like, I don't even care anymore. Come on. Some of you would say, well, bro, that's just a Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? Am I? That's a Tuesday. Um, but, but you're struggling with feeling like, in those moments, like you, like, like you love being a mom. Like, I don't know if I love being a mom. And then you, later on, when you're through that moment, you hate that you even had that cross your mind and you feel guilty. Do, do you feel like nothing's missing and nothing's broken? Or are you thinking, no, no, man, I need a break. I need a night out with the girls, right? Remember those days, you know? And and you stay home. You stay home with the kids and you deal with them. But is that what you really need? I'd argue that what you really want is peace. You really want to feel whole and complete like you're not lacking anything. And I think especially in the mom department. Dudes, I want to talk to you for a second because a lot of you have had seasons like me where you're just laying awake at night. And you can't sleep because you're worried about your job or you're worried about how much money you have and how many bills that are coming in and you're worried about how long it's taking for you to advance in your career or in your influence or your position and, 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 and you're worried about the, the, the finances and, and, and you're worried about how much money you're going to make and how, much, how, how you're going to be able to provide in the way you thought you always would. And in those moments, you'd say, yeah, Danny, I lack something, man. My income is lacking. Come on, can I get an amen on that, right? My skills are lacking. My education is lacking. And so my opportunities are lacking. And what we think would make us sleep better is more money, a raise, a promotion, better job. But it's not actually true. Because the more money you have, the more responsibility you have. Because as you climb, you take on more responsibility, the more worry you have. That's just a fact, Rich people don't sleep better than you. They worry just as much as you do about money. They just happen to have more. Come on, can I get a witness from somebody? You're like, well, I'd like to try that. Right? <laughs> I'd like to worry about that. Could I sign up for the worry about money part? Because I have too much? But what we're really worried about, fellas, is peace. What we really want is peace, to feel whole, to feel complete as a dad, as a father, as a, as a man, as a friend, not lacking anything. So, so I'm just going to meander through some thoughts, and you're like, oh, he's going to meander? Doesn't he have like three points and we're out? <laughs> going to meander, man. It's been a lot of time working on, come on, it's hard to preach, I lack nothing, all right? Just you try it. Come on, you try it. <laughs> I'm going to meander through some thoughts, and the truth is, we do feel like we lack sometimes, and sometimes we go, no, no, I, I want things that I don't have, and so, so, so then the question is, is, is it the good shepherd who's letting us down, or... Is this on me somehow? Well, I hate to throw you under the bus, but let's just think about this. In, in our country, we are so pro- preoccupied with wants that we never have what we need, right? Because what we need is always a moving target because we got this thing, but now there's a better thing and I got to have that thing. Come on, I, I know how this is. We, we rarely live in the now because we're always focused on the next. And so we, we, we deeply struggle as a nation with contentment in a way that I doubt any other society ever has before in human history. We are a nation of wanters. And our desire for more, I think, I'd argue, has become idolatrous in our country. And of course it's difficult then to feel whole and complete and feel like you're lacking nothing when studies say that we, you and I see 6,000 to 10,000 uh, visual ads or verbal ads all day long from our phones, from you're trying to scroll through something and you're getting 50,000 things are sponsored. We're getting 6,000 messages a day telling us you lack something in your life and if you would get this, you'd be happy. That's the goal of marketing, not telling you what you actually need. What do you actually need? You need some water. When's the last time you saw a commercial? Not for, not for just, hey, everybody, you need six to eight ounces, six to eight times a day, so go to your local creek and get some. Right? That, that's never happened. It's like you need this $14 bottle of water that came from Peru in an ancient Incan well. Isn't that gross? Isn't there dead bodies in the Incan wells? No. It's $14. How could it have a dead body in it? If you're new here I'm sorry I don't even mean to say these things they just they're not in my notes they don't tell you what you need they tell you what they want you to think you need and we're being bombarded with subconscious messages that we are not as happy as we could be all the time consumeristic materialistic advertising machine in America is constantly making us promises that it can't keep and that promises that money and possessions will buy happiness and peace they do not and yet, it's working. Their message is, is working, and we continue to believe and behave as though what they're telling us is true. They know it's not true. We know it's not true, but we do it anyway. Because that's the American way. Yes or no? In fact, according to recent studies, the average American in 2021 makes more money than the, any average American has in any time in history. Right? That's, th- that's in 2021 after we just had 2020. We still make more than any ever. So what, what that means is we own bigger houses. How many of you try to find a house lately? How many of you know that four years ago, it was half the price it is now here in this town? Can I get a witness on somebody? Like, dude, you have no idea. Like, I'm gonna get some cardboard boxes and sell those bad boys because people will pay 200 grand for them right now. And they'll fight over it. And they'll it'll bidding war. About, anyways, I'm sorry, I'm off. Here's the deal. We own more, we have more money. We have more secure jobs. We have bigger houses and yet... At the very same time, America is currently the most mentally ill society in measurable human history. One in five of us are struggling with anxiety and depression. We talked about that a few months ago. And according to these studies, the number one thing that the average American is worried about, it's making more money. That's the number one worry. i got to make more money because we've been convinced that peace can be purchased. So ultimately, what the problem is and why we lack peace, shalom, is because the Lord is not our shepherd. We are our own shepherds and all the voices out there in the world and all the people telling us how to be influenced by them and go after this. We don't have the shepherd providing us at the level he can because we've not said, God, you're my, my shepherd and, and I'm your sheep. So I'm going to make the case that it's an us problem not a, not a shepherd problem David said the Lord all caps L-O-R-D all caps Yahweh God is my shepherd and God is not lacking in any way the God who Isaiah says sits enthroned uh, above the circle of the earth the one who calls out the stars this is Isaiah 40 he calls out the stars every night and oh by the way he says not one of them is missing can I get a witness for that I think that's good come on y'all this is the God who is the creator the origin the cause of all things the one who inhabits its eternity the one who rules over heaven and earth he the one creator God is, ta- he, is, is that Isaiah is talking about is my shepherd oh, oh and in that same chapter verse 40 verse 11 he tends he says this he tends his flock like a shepherd uh, he gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart he gently leads those that have young like this this is a, he's calling out the stars and he's holding you and me In in his arms. That awesome, infinite, all-powerful Jehovah God is my shepherd. He has a personal interest in me, his sheep. And I find that just absolutely astounding. So it doesn't feel like he's the issue for why I lack peace, the shalom that I'm looking for. So I think if we were to read Psalm like this, not adding to, just amplifying. If we were to read it like this, because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Or, Or we could read it like this, if the Lord is my shepherd... I lack nothing. Again, unless there's a sheep-shepherd relationship, these things won't be true for us. But if the Lord is your shepherd, like genuinely, I'm I'm trusting him in everything, the the, the cause and effect is that you will never be truly in want. God will provide for you everything that you actually need. That's good because... And that, 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 that's because a good shepherd assumes full responsibility for a sheep. He's not counting on the sheep to sort of take care of themselves. He assumes protection over them. Every area of your life, every detail is under his control, under his direction, under his provision. And so here's what happens when you have a good shepherd. Here's what we know, because I've studied this psalm more than I've ever studied. I've read it so many times and I've researched it so much. Sheep learn to associate um, the shepherd with their needs being met right that's why they that's why they'll follow him they know that guy he's the one or that girl she's the one who makes my needs get met so what happens then is the shepherd becomes their focus not their needs did you catch that They're not worried about, where's the grass? Where's the water at? No, no, the shepherd, we follow him. He takes us to the the grass. He takes us to the water. Their focus is on him, not because they have an all-you-can-eat buffet waiting for them every day, but because they have their shepherd with him and he always provides for their needs. Their focus is on him, not their needs. I lack nothing, David says. That's a statement of faith in the good shepherd, isn't it? Right. It's not just, hey, like it's like, I'm, I'm going to say this in faith. And sometimes we have to say that even when we don't necessarily feel that way. That's why the Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. We trust the shepherd. Now for David, it's two things when he says this, I lack nothing. He's saying two things. It's a declaration and it's a decision. It's a declaration. I lack nothing means all my needs are supplied by the Lord, my shepherd. That's his, he's saying that everything I need has been provided. That's the declaration. But it's also a decision. I have decided to not desire more than what the Lord, my shepherd has given. And that's hard. It's a declaration and it's a decision. I trust the shepherd to give to me, to provide for me, to open the doors that I need to have open, uh, to give me what I actually need. But here's the truth about all of this. There are obstacles that you and I are going to face to get to this peace. We've already named a bunch of them. There, there are so many I could never deal with them all, but I want to give you three, and the last two are my personal ones, the ones that are my obstacles, and I'm going, to get, I'm going to get there in just a second. The number one obstacle is that we're just not actually following Him. The Lord is my shepherd, but I'm going to go my own way, right? He's going to lead me, and He's going to guide me, but I'm going be like, ah, eh, I like this way better, right? I'm not actually following Him. So you and I don't experience shalom, that wholeness, that completeness, that knowledge that nothing's missing nothing's broken because we're trying to do the shepherd's job for him. We're not following him into the green pastures that he's leading us to. We're not going down to the quiet waters where he's going to refresh our souls. We're not following him on the right paths for his namesake. We're busy making our own paths for our own namesake, and we'll never have the kind of peace that he wants by doing that. Any, let me tell you this. This is so key. Anything that as a believer, I don't, that I'm holding on to and not surrendering to his lordship is going to end up creating worry and anxiety and fear eventually. I promise you. Like, it's like, God, I trust you with my salvation, but I'm going to hang on over here to my money and my finances and my relationships. I know you might not like the way I'm doing it, but I'm going to do it my way. Eventually, those are going to cause fear and anxiety in your life. I promise you that if you don't surrender what, what God what God's given you. If you don't say, God, whatever it is, it's yours. It'll create fear and anxiety for you. So, so, so look at John 10 with me again. This is verse four. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. We said this last week, he goes before you, he's behind you, he hems you in on both sides. If we read Psalm 23, we see this. And his sheep, what? Follow him. Why do they follow him? Because they know His voice. Why do they know his voice? Because every time he goes, hey, come on, y'all, come on, sheep, let's go down this road. It's, hey, the net result is green pastures, quiet waters, right? Right paths, right? Sheep only know how to go in straight lines. So I, I, I went and zoomed in from Google Earth on the hillsides in Palestine where David lived when he wrote this. Man, there's all of these perfectly straight lines down the side of every hill. And it's all sheep. It's sheep herders because sheep will just keep walking and fall off the cliff, that's why they need a can i get a witness that's why they need a shepherd apparently they're not the brightest of animals i that's what i'm i'm reading I, I don't have any sheep i've never hung out with some sheep but i've eaten some can i get a witness on that right i like sheep they're good to eat all right i probably shouldn't have said that because you and i are sheep and They know they know his voice whenever he calls me out. He, good things happen in my life. But they will, never, they will never follow a stranger. That's not the voice of the one who feeds and leads and guides and meets my needs. They know here's what we said last week. In our culture today, there are a myriad. There, there's a myriad of voices. There's so much noise. There's so much information. There's so much disinformation constantly, all day long. Every time you look at something, every time you look up, you can be in the bathroom and they got a TV in there now, and you're like, "Well, that's kind of cool." Except there's advertisements going on. I don't need it anymore. But there's all these people trying to lead and feed and follow their their way. That's not who feeds. That's not who leads. And somehow we have to get still and quiet long enough to hear the still, small voice of the Lord because he's going to lead and guide. And and, and the problem is, is we don't always hear him in the midst of all the other voices and we follow the wrong voices and they lead us and guide us into bad ways. And Jesus says they're thieves and robbers. He said they're going to take you places you don't want to go. And oftentimes they're actually being influenced by Satan himself on some level. He says, John 10, 10, that his mission only, is only to steal, kill, and destroy but i have come jesus says to, to give life and life to the fool so if you want to experience what david experienced the feeling of nothing's missing nothing's broken you have to do what david did truly fully surrender and follow the shepherd second thing and this is this is my number one issue is hurry this is my struggle i struggle with this like a while ago i was walking over back to my office and i was walking fast it was like it was a race and i was like danny slow down bro Why why do I got to walk so fast? I don't know. Ask my wife. She doesn't know either. Like, I feel like I, I, that's why I don't have a church bumper sticker on my car. I'm in a hurry. And if you get my way, I'm going to honk at you or whatever. For Jesus, right? For, (laughs) because of of the love of Christ is shed abroad in my heart for you. I struggle with this. If if we're going to be on the run all the days of our lives chasing after this thing and that, trying to build our name and fame, following the wrong voices, trying to make ourselves a shepherd, we'll never have... Shalom, we'll never have peace, that feeling, I lack nothing. One of the great enemies of shalom is hurry. And yet we live in a world that is pressing us and stretching us and stressing us on every side. Verse two again. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me Beside still waters. This, this, this phrase is literally, he leads me beside waters of rest in the Hebrew. Think about that. He makes me lie down, and then he leads me beside waters of rest. And we live in a culture, it would say, Danny, slowing down and, and being intentional about getting the right rest and, and, and listening to the voice of the Lord is lazy and not productive. And God would say, you're missing the whole point. So so the psalmist says in Psalm 1, verse 1, he says, Blessed is the one, or blessed is the one, who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Right? This is the voices of the world. This is all of that we've just been talking about. They're not, blessed is the one who doesn't follow after all of that. Um, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, in God's word, and who, What? meditates on his law day and night. Listen, meditate is a slow word. It's a crockpot word. Can I get a witness on some crockpot action? If some of you have a crockpot going right now with some roast ip in it, like invite a brother over later. If it's got filled with carne especially invite invite me over, right? This is a slow word. Like you meditate. And look, the person who does this, who doesn't do this, who does this, this is what happens for them. Look at the next verse. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. There's the water reference again. Which what? Yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do, prospers. I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Gotta make it happen. Gotta make it happen. No, no, you don't. You're going to burn yourself out. You're not going to make it happen. You're just going to break your family up or you're going to mess up your health. The person who gets it, who prospers, is the one who slows down, who meditates and makes time for God's word and God's presence in their life. That person's like a tree, yields its fruit when it's supposed to. It's not going to yield fruit 24-7. Well, I got I to go 24-7. No, you don't. There's a season to everything, right? And whose leaf does not wither. Some of us feel dried up and withered and unfruitful plant yourself by streams of living water, meditate, slow down. Just sounds kind of lazy and unproductive, Danny, to talk about lying down. This is why God has to make us lie down. Here's what I'll argue. If you don't learn to slow down in the seasons when you're supposed to, God will make you. You will find yourself laid up. I didn't mean to get this old bug, right? I didn't mean, I'm not saying God's trying to punish you with it. God will make a way for you to have to lie down. He makes me lie down. Richard Swinson says in his book, The Overload Syndrome, and I love this, I've thought long and hard about the issue of speed, hurry, and have come to believe that it is a much, as much responsible for the problems of personal and societal dysfunction as any other single factor. Virtually all of our relationships are damaged by hurry, especially our relationship with God. So here's a thought, here's a thought. Next, next slide, please. What if our sense of the presence and nearness of God in our lives is in inverse proportion to the pace of our lives? So, so, so let me say it like this. The more hurried the pace, the less we will sense God's nearness and God's presence in our lives. The more hurried we live, the less peace that we'll experience. There's an old song that we used to sing, an old hymn. It said, oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We're forfeiting peace that is ours because of the pace of our life. Godliness and intimacy with God are not cultivated on the run. Neither is contentment, neither is wholeness. You will not experience shalom. Nothing's missing, nothing broken if you're running all the time. And why does he lead us to waters of rest? Verse three, he, because there he refreshes my soul. He restores, that's the actual word. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths For him, because his glory's on the line. Like he's not gonna lose one of the sheep. Even if a sheep wanders off, he says he'll leave the 99 in open pasture because they're safe and he'll go looking for the one because his glory's on the line. Right? Because they're lost. And so, so he restores. Why do I need my soul restored? Because it's getting destroyed all of the time by the pressure, the pace, the ugliness, the yuck that we're, we're all experiencing, the animosity, the, the division, and the anger. It's being destroyed. So somebody's got to restore it back to its original condition. And that word restore means to turn around or to turn back to the starting place. The American church, I'm gonna argue this and I'm part of it, I'm part of the problem, needs to get back on our knees and go back to the place that we started and repent. God forgive me for, for following all these other voices that are not yours. And in the process of that, guys, I'm telling you, in the process of that, there's a restoration for your soul coming. There's a peace that you've never experienced before because he's leading you along the right path. Why does he have to do that? Because we often wander off the the wrong path and we end up in the desert and we're dry and we're not fruitful and we're not productive and we don't know why. It's because we're not slowing down and meditating and spending time at the the, the feet of Jesus. The, the, The last thing, is that, this is another big one for me. You guys will have different ones, these are mine. Hurry breeds worry. And worry breeds hurry. They just just create a, a cycle. So the third thing for me is worry. Hurrying around in your life is gonna make you worry around through life. Worry is the opposite of shalom. Anxious, stressed, there's no peace there. But why are we worried? Often it's because we don't trust the Lord as our shepherd. It's not God's will for you to be worried. Well, well, how do you know that, Danny? Oh, because Philippians 4, Paul says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. By the way, when you look this word up in the Greek, what do you think it means? Uh, Anything. It means anything. You're you're welcome. I just wanted to give you a deep dive into the Greek. (laughs) this guy's deep do not be anxious about anything but in what every situation so Paul's acknowledging I'm going to tell you not to worry but I know you are anyway so here's what I want you to do when you do by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving present your requests your worries to God and the peace of God which transcends all, the old King James says, which passeth all understanding, meaning human beings can't comprehend why you've got peace when you've got all this other stuff going on. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Where are you most vulnerable to worry? Your heart and your mind. He will guide it. He will, the peace of God will stand guard in Christ Jesus. Now, what is the, here's the takeaway from this verse, just sort of colloquially. You can pray or you can panic. And I guarantee if you don't pray, eventually you're going to panic about the things that have you worried. You can worry or you can worship. You invite worship in the front door, worry has to go out the back door. Because you you magnify the Lord in your life and as he grows bigger in your life and your view your problems grow smaller. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't worry about money. Think about this. When you were a kid, you didn't either. I, I didn't, if I needed something, I just asked my mom or dad. Now they were worried about money. Come on. We didn't have much when I was a kid, but I didn't know that. How many of you knew, you didn't know you were poor when you were growing up? You're like, Psh, I'm rich. We got a house. I grew up in Kenya. They didn't have houses. So when I moved back to, to, to Texas, we had a house. We were rich, right? I never worried about where he was going to get the money? Why? Because that was his problem. He he needed to worry about it. The, the takeaway is that you and I are God's children. You're worrying about a lot of things that are God's responsibility. Because He's your shepherd. He leads. He guides. He provides. Every time you worry, it's a warning light. Oh, no, I'm playing God again. I'm acting like God. I'm acting like I don't have a heavenly father who loves me, that I don't have a shepherd who will feed and lead and meet my need. You rarely worry if you understand that God is my heavenly father and that when you look back over the track record of your life, you realize every time I worried, I worried amiss because I came through. I'm still here. I still have a house I still have clothes I still have food I still have water I still have I have the things that I actually need I actually have them and there's never been really a season where even when it was really tight I didn't ultimately get what I actually needed if you didn't you wouldn't be here right now right so when you worry 1 Peter 5 7 says this cast all your anxiety all your worry you will worry some you and I will we will Cast all of your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. We're invited here, and here's my challenge to you: make a list of all your worries. Like some of you, most of you won't do this, but if if those of you who are conscientious, make a list and then take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what Paul just said, and and Peter's like, "Hey, and when you have your list together, dump it on Jesus because He cares for you." And then this verse, and I'm done. And my God will meet. All of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This all right here in the Greek, it means all. You're welcome again. You're welcome. You're welcome. Deep talk with Danny. Deep talk with Danny, right? He's going to meet all your needs according to... So it's all through the Bible that God's going to provide. He's the shepherd who provides. And listen, but you're like, well, Danny, I'm not, I'm not a perfect in all my ways. And it's not according to your riches, It's not according to your goodness. Your goodness has nothing to do with God's goodness. God is good even when you're not. God can be good to you even when you're not good to him. It's called mercy. That's called grace. Aren't you thankful for that? That we have that access? My job is simply to trust him and follow him. This is, um, I promise, the last verse. And here's the promise when we do this. He says, this is Isaiah chapter 26. You will keep, you God, God will keep, so the keeping of peace in my life is up to God. You will keep in perfect peace. This literally means shalom, shalom. So like if, if you don't get it the first time, I'm going to give it you twice. You will keep in perfect peace those, so that's the God part. Here's my part. Those whose minds are steadfast. I'm focused on the shepherd because, not my needs, because the shepherd is the one who provides for my needs. Those people who do that are steadfast because they trust in you. So, one more takeaway. I'm going to argue, based on this verse and others, that being able to say, I lack nothing, has as much to do with your personal state of mind, your level of gratitude about what you already have. Like, if you can sit there and go, God, as a declaration, the way that David did, I lack nothing, because whatever I need you provided and I, I lack nothing. I'm, de- I'm, I'm making a decision that whatever you've given me it's, it's enough. I'm content because I'm supposed to learn how to be content, Paul says. I'm content with what I have. If you give me more I'll, 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 I'll say hallelujah, right? But I am content with what you have. If you can do this um, it's going to change your life. If you can fight the American way and just be filled with gratitude. God wants to keep you in perfect peace. You will, this is the promise of Scripture, you will keep in shalom, shalom those whose minds are are, are steadfast. We have to believe that. At some point, we have to decide once and for all we're going to trust and we're going to stop trusting in ourselves and tr- stop trusting in things and stop trusting in politicians. and Come on, that's a good amen on that. And stop trusting in, 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 in Facebook and whatever's going on in there. Come on, that's, that's anyways. Um, stop thinking this thing will satisfy it or more of that will. It won't, it won't. But you, God, will keep the God of peace. This is Philippians 4. The God of peace will give the peace of God to you. Not my peace, which is circumstantial, but his peace. God does not outsource the deep work that he wants to do inside of us. He himself, you, God, will do this in us. And I'm so grateful for that. Now, here's the take, the last thing. I know you will not be able to do all of this today. You're not going to walk out here and go, I lack nothing, bro. Check me out. Look at my shoes, they're white. By the way, um, try to follow me if you can. I have my, my this, me, and, me and Josh this is Josh Griffin all, by, by the way one of the best dudes on the planet right here we're twinning today except I have a 13 and he has a size giant good lord I have a 13 y'all. it's not a 4 man's got solid foundation upon which to stand I was gonna make a point, but then I got distracted by my own shoes. They're only white today. Tomorrow I'll have them dirty. You're welcome. Um, You can't do this today, right? But you can do this. I'm gonna challenge you. You can wake up tomorrow morning and say the first thing when your brain actually starts to work. You know, it takes. It might be coffee. It might be whatever you got to get to get going. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Everything that I need to survive and make and thrive during, during this day, He has already provided it for me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Everything I need to go out into this day and to succeed, He has already provided for me. God, I'm grateful for my house. Sometimes I get kind of greedy and want a bigger one. but help me with that I'm going to cast that on you. and if you want to, someday you will. God I'm thankful for this car. It, it's got french fries in it. It's got crumbs. Something sticky. I don't even know what it is anymore. There's something growing in there too. It has eyes. It's not my kids. But Lord, I'm grateful for it. I will lack, I lack nothing. And then you go through the day and then the next day, brain starts to work. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm declaring that I lack nothing and I'm deciding that all that I have is enough. Enough deciding that. And and so, Lord, thank you. I lack nothing. And you do that day after day after day after day. And suddenly, you start to believe it. I actually do have everything I need. Wow, how good is my God? How good is my shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Amen, somebody? Amen.